Since it is our fifth Sunday service, the elders always pray about what kind of a theme should we have on a fifth Sunday service. We don't have a sermon per se. We always feature some sort of a theme. As we prayed and talked about this particular fifth Sunday, what we decided was to feature God and your vocation. And uh, we specifically thought we didn't want to hear necessarily evangelism stories. We know that God uses people in the workplace that way. But it's more along the idea that what we do, our vocation, is a way we can serve God. It matters to God. We can find satisfaction in our work. And there are many ways we can serve God in our vocation. And so we began to think about that and pray about that and decided that that rather than uh, um, have one of us get up and share about that, it would be better to hear from the people, so to speak, in the trenches the people who are out there in the workplace or serving in a vocation and uh, serving the Lord in the midst of these things. Several scriptures came to mind. Uh, Three of them I'm going to feature that really kind of highlight what we want to look at this morning. The first one's from Ecclesiastes chapter 2, verse 24. A man can do nothing better than to eat and drink and find satisfaction in his work. This too I see is from the hand of God. Our work truly is from the hand of God. And also in Ecclesiastes chapter 3, verses 12 and 13, I know that there is nothing better than for men to be happy and to do good while they live, that everyone may eat and drink and find satisfaction in all his toil. This is the gift of God. A lot of people complain about their work, don't they? But we're grateful when we have work. We're grateful and we can find satisfaction in these things. Everybody's work is important. You know, that's something I learned here early on at TCF. Everybody's work is important. It doesn't matter what you do. You can dig ditches. You can preach. You can do anything worthy of the name work, and God can be pleased with it, and you can find satisfaction and joy in it, and we can truly serve the Lord in these things. Colossians chapter 3, verses 23 and 24 says, Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart, as working for the Lord, not for men. Since you know that you will receive an inheritance from the Lord as a reward, it is the Lord Christ you are serving. So that's what we asked of the individuals who will be coming this morning. We asked them to keep these things in mind as they come and share with us about their individual vocations so we're just, I'm just going to sit down and we're going to hear from these members of our congregation. I find as I get older and my Swiss cheese brain gets worse and worse, coherent thoughts seem to kind of leak out of my head. So I'm going to try to make something coherent this morning. Um, and I brought my biggest Bible to lead, lend you know, some authority in as much as I can. In thinking about, because I've been working now for probably 25, 30 years, in accounting, I was a CPA, and I've worked in a public accounting firm, and I've worked in many, many private companies. I'm working now for Alliance Coal. Um, the, I think what I've probably learned over the years more than anything, as far as my perspective and living out my Christian walk at work, is that it brings the kingdom of God, in a way, to my workplace. 
And the verse that I was reading this morning was Romans 14, 15 to 18. Yet if your brother is grieved because of your food, you are no longer walking in love. Do not destroy with your food the one for whom Christ has died. Therefore, do not let your good be spoken of as evil. For the kingdom of God is not eating and drinking, but righteousness and peace and joy in the Holy Spirit. For he who serves Christ in these things is acceptable to God and approved by men. And inasmuch I was thinking about in so many ways over the years as I've walked out my Christian life at work, in small ways and in large ways, it brings the kingdom of God to my workplace in where, in as much as I... Uh, exercise forgiveness, God's grace for forgiveness. In the workplace, it is so easy to take an offense. And I think of the love chapter in, in, or in Corinthians about love does not notice when it is done wrong. Um, in so many ways, putting the, living the principles of God uh, brings peace. It, it does bring, where, like it says, um, righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. You never know in the workplace whose heart God's going to be moving in, what he's going to be doing. And I especially don't want to be a stumbling block as a Christian in a secular workplace to what God is doing. I want to be a conduit for God's kingdom, for him to work. Um, this, the concept or the biblical principle of putting others before yourself um, the golden rule of, of loving your neighbor as yourself, praying for those in authority. Probably like 10 years ago, there were many believers in my company, several anyway. We got a prayer meeting together, and we got together to pray for the company once a week, and we'd done that over 10 years. And I, I don't have time now to go into how many times we've seen God move because of the prayers that we, we prayed he moved in ways that just absolutely blew us away. And it was a secular company. I mean, it's not, it's not a Christian company. There are a lot of believers there, but it's not a Christian company. I don't even know if companies can be Christian. But like, for instance, we had a period of time where we were going through an extreme, extreme change. One of our companies went public. People were moving from one position to another. We were taking on a lot more work. It was a very stressful time. And we prayed every week for our leaders, for the people in the departments that were especially affected for two solid years. I mean, we prayed every week, and I saw God faithfully bring us through that because in so many ways we could have just fallen apart, started to fight each other. In, in companies and in business so often you have little fiefdoms, you know, where people set up their own little area, and it's us against them. And I think in so many ways, when God has put it on my heart, when I come across someone who is difficult to deal with, that I find difficult to deal with, and I begin to pray for that person, God just does amazing things. Um, I think in a lot of ways in business, you have a tendency to get bitter and consider, you know, your employer is doing you wrong or somebody above you is doing you wrong. And when I have, I have done that myself, everybody's susceptible to it. And when I have submitted myself to the Lord, submitted the situation to the Lord and sought the good of not only other people but the company, God has healed the hurts in my heart 
and has brought hope. I mean, it's, it's a real intangible thing, and I think in a lot of ways, believers, when they live out their faith in, in a secular environment, bring hope in a way that the world just doesn't understand. They, they can't quite put their finger on it, but kind of what I came to mind was, do you remember when George Sada was here and he said that Saddam Hussein liked to have Christians in his organization because he knew he could trust them? Well, I know even in my own organization, the president of the company, oh, when we were going through all those changes, he brought our accounting department together, and there are a lot of believers in our accounting department. And he told us, he said, I just want you all to know that I really appreciate that I can trust you because as a CEO of a public company, especially after Enron and Sarbanes-Oxley and everything, they're on the line. If, if something goes wrong in our company from an accounting perspective, he goes to jail. I mean, CEOs are really uh, feeling it. And he said, I just want you to know how much I appreciate knowing that I can trust you all to do your jobs you have and you will. And I personally took that as a compliment to the believers in our department because that's where it comes from. But anyway, bottom line, I think in a lot of ways, living my faith at work, I feel I become a conduit to the kingdom of God to bring the kingdom of God to the people at work. Thank you. You always feel pretty good walking up on stage till you turn around, and then it's, it's freak out time. Um, I'm Mark Rydzinski. I am uh, an uh, environmental consultant for Public Service Company of Oklahoma. How many people in the auditorium know anything about me other than what I just told you? I come here every Sunday. How many of you? I mean, be honest. Be honest. Okay. Well, would you bear with me? I'd like to spend a minute and take you down a, a trip of how I got to this point. Um, I'm a military brat. Uh, I grew up on the largest strategic air command base in the world in the 60s. My father was a career Air Force officer, and he flew bombers. And because we were a first-strike target during the Cold War, our fallout shelter was Carlsbad Caverns. Now, can you imagine a base full of preteen boys living in Carlsbad Caverns? I mean, we used to talk about it, you know, we hope something starts so we can go to Carlsbad. So um, my father was never home. He was on alert, or he was flying chrome dome missions. Chrome dome missions were B-52s in the air 24-7 loaded with nuclear weapons. So our mothers raised us. Our lives was like, it was like Leave it to Beaver. If you watched Leave it to Beaver, that's what our lives were. Our mothers held down the fort. And so that's the life we lived. And next, could, could you do the next slide? I didn't always look this way. <clears throat> 44 years ago, almost next month, Ian, when you go to college, 44 years ago to the month almost, I left to go to college. Next slide. And I see this beautiful girl. <laughs> and her name's Candy. 
And we've been together ever since. And that's how our life started. <clears throat> In 73, we moved to Tulsa. And we went into a bookstore and we met this guy named G.K. Griffin. Do you remember G.K. Griffin? And we said, we're looking for a church. And he said, well, you've got to go to TCF. So we go to Edison High School. We walk in. There's this dark-haired Indian man preaching. His name was Brother Bill. And now you guys have your own Brother Bill. And we've, we've never been any place other than that. We've, we've been a part of the church somewhat for the, all those years. <clears throat> well, so I start working in this field of environmental health. I work for the regulatory agencies. Uh, I was an uh, adjunct instructor at uh, OU Tulsa for 10 years, teaching environmental courses. And for the last 21 years, I've worked for Public Service Company of Oklahoma. My job is to keep our power plants that produce electricity in compliance with all the federal, state, local laws. So um, I'm on call 24-7. It's like I have two wives. I'm married to two wives. I have candy and I have my job. <clears throat> and the reason being is we can never be out of compliance. Um, if we are, we get bad publicity, we can get fined, and we can go to jail. I can go to jail for what I'm responsible for. So I have to make sure I'm never wrong, which is a very stressful place to be. The way that I can glorify God in my job, which, believe me, I'm a failure. I gripe. I get mad. I get upset. But I know that I have to do what I have to do. And so... Um, the way I glorify God is in the ethics that I bring to the job, the relationships that I have built with the people that um, I serve, who are the power plant managers, the vice presidents, all the way up to the CEO. At our company, safety is number one. Environmental is number two. We will never <clears throat> do anything wrong. In fact, when I find something that we've done wrong, I self-report it to the agencies. And I know how the agencies feel about different companies because I worked for the agency. There are some that you never trust, and every time you go in, it's a fight. There's others, like our company, which I had an air inspector tell me, <clears throat> your company is squeaky clean because we tell them everything. We don't lie. We don't make stuff up. If we find a problem, we turn ourselves in. We, take, we pay the consequences. And they appreciate that. I mean, sometimes it's kind of like they shake their heads going, I mean, where'd these guys come from? But that's the only way I can think of. I have uh, relationships with people, and they know they can trust me. They know they can come to me and tell me uh, things and they also understand the consequences. Because you see, in my company, we get a bonus not because of how much money we save or not how much money we make. We get a bonus based upon how much we save. We're a public utility. You pay for everything we do. If we build a new power plant, the customers pay for it. We try to keep our prices as low as we can and, and give you the best service we can. At the end of the year, if we've done that job, 
then we get a bonus. So my job is more ethical reasons, interaction with people. They believe me. They come to me. The CEOs get a lower bonus if we have a lot of safety issues and environmental issues. So they don't want those two to happen financially for them. But when they come and tell me that they've done something wrong, I, they know that I'm going to have to report it. But they still come to me, which is a good deal. Because in some companies, people try to hide things. So all I can tell you is that's my, that's my version of how I glorify God, um, is in <clears throat> the ethics and the relationships with other people. Um, the other thing is, because we're a private company, we can actually mention Jesus' name. And nobody gets offended. We bless our food when we have lunches. You know, we celebrate milestones for safety, and we actually have a prayer, and nobody's offended. Now, I have worked for government agencies where that can't happen, which is a shame. But that's my short story, and uh, I thank you for uh, going down my little trip. Now, maybe you know a little bit more about me. Thank you. for Dillon International. Um, I've worked for Dillon for 15 years. Um, Dillon is a nonprofit um, agency that has placed children from other countries for international adoption with families in the U.S. for almost 40 years now. Um, about really more than half of their budget goes toward humanitarian aid in other countries. Uh, we have wonderful Christian leadership with Denise Dillon as our director and I love my job. I get to do uh, detail work. I get to, to uh, coordinate a group of social workers. It's a perfect fit for me, um, and yet it exposes all my weaknesses. Um, it, uh, it exposes my carelessness, my laziness, my pride, and my selfishness. Um, it's like I can camouflage those things much better at home and at church, and, and it's like work is my testing ground. That's the, the place where I have trouble camouflaging my weaknesses. Um, I, one example, I would rather not give you any examples, but one example of, um, of my of carelessness and pride is um, uh, thinking negatively about coworkers, um, uh, how easily my thoughts get distracted to thoughts of how to promote myself in the eyes of others around me and, and in my own eyes. Um, it's it's like like a horse. Once once you quit directing it, it just goes back to the barn, and and my thoughts just revert back to things that I'm I'm not proud of. Um, and I think of um, something Mike said. We were driving down Highway 75 last week, and he said, "I want like all get out to be God of my life." And I thought, that's what I want. Um, I I love a, a quote from uh, Beth Moore. She said that people ask her often if she's under Satan's continual attack. And she said, my flesh is twice the enemy to me that Satan is, because once we know how, we don't hesitate rebuking Satan because we despise him. On the other hand, we dearly love our own flesh. We have far more difficulty rebuking it. Um, there's um, a tool that God has given me that um, 
when I'm in a meeting or sitting at my desk and I think of it, I will plant my feet squarely on the floor in front of me. That's not my usual posture. And, and when I'm in that posture, I'm reminded to ask God to um, guide me and to, to let him know that I want to listen for him and, and I, I want his... Um, I want to hear from him, and I may only manage that for a few minutes and then get distracted and go back to uh, whatever busy work I'm doing, but, but when, I can, when I can maintain that posture, it, it's just a, th- a peculiar thing to me that, that God gave me to, to help me. Um, it's like a string on my finger, sort of, to help me remember. Um, I really do want God's Fruit, the Holy Spirit's fruit to come through me to people in my workplace to benefit them and um, I want his love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, um, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control to, to be uh, evident, to, to bless others around me. Um, and, and in the mornings, oftentimes before I go to work, I will ask God to to give me scripture, to just remind me of scripture through the day, and he does. And um, so if, I'll, if I'm just doing busy work and I'll think of, for instance, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and your neighbor as yourself, and it's like it writes my ship. I'm like, oh, yeah, I wasn't, I wasn't thinking that way at all. And, and um, I can kind of get redirected. Uh, so I, I'm thankful that he does that. Um, um, Oswald Chambers in My Utmost for His Highest, it seems like in several different places he, I've seen that he says, uh, if you are exhibiting the fruit of the Holy Spirit in your life, you will be the last one to know it. And, um, and so I'm, I'm trusting God that in spite of my challenges, he can produce fruit through me in my workplace and that, that other people will be blessed. I guess you all know me. Uh, my job is not a fence job. I work in the railroad industry, duty, hard, and I do my best. Uh, sometimes we work seven days a week. I uh, got fired from different jobs before I got this one because, uh, well, I used to do my things. I used to drink and smoke and do whatever. And never went to church. My wife always forced me to, but I never did. So uh, I used to go and work in cars and, and do stuff instead of coming to church. And in 97, I had an accident at work, and I did decide to start coming to church, and I received a guard. And, and uh, I've been in the same job since then. So, uh, so far, I haven't got fired yet. <laughs> and... Uh, we're not real godly people in our, in our job. There's not many people in, in the railroad. They do cuss a lot, and, and you have to know when to stop. Some people don't. And in my job, it's, uh, it's pretty hard to stay out of it. Because, you know, if you've got to feed in with everybody else, in my position, I'm a supervisor, so, you know, I try to get along with everybody. Some people you can't, but you try to get along with them. And... Uh, it's hard. I work seven days a week. Sometimes I don't even come home for two or three weeks at a time. 
which my kids don't appreciate it much. <laughs> Especially my wife. She wants me at church every week. And, but, you know, it's, it's hard when you work seven days a week and I want to come home and relax with my kids. And I do pray every day because my job is dangerous. We don't play. We, it's heavy equipment and we got people that sometimes do drugs and, and we're in danger all the time. And if I get hurt, my kids are going to suffer for it because I won't be able to provide for them. So uh, I do pray. And I hope I don't get hurt again. Cause, and this is the way I bring God to my job. I pray every day that I don't get hurt so I can be with my family. Thanks. Well, for the last 26 years, my primary workplace has been my home. I've been fortunate that Larry has worked hard, sometimes two jobs, to provide for our family so I could stay home with my children. Two scriptures I'd like to read. One Bill has already read. Colossians 3.23. Whatever you do, work at it with all your heart as working for the Lord and not for men. And Romans 12.1. Therefore, I urge you, brothers, in view of God's mercy, to offer your bodies as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. This is your spiritual act of worship. Applying these verses to my life is how I choose to worship and glorify God. Motherhood has been my primary role. As life is always changing, so the way I implement these verses in my life has changed. As a young mother, I endeavored to give a loving, peaceful environment with consistent discipline. As my children reached adolescence, I strove to include ways to build in them a solid work ethic and respect for others. And as teenagers, I encouraged them to serve others at home, at church, and in their community. One thing that has helped me through some of those difficult days when the things weren't going as planned is acknowledging that the Lord's presence is always with me and talking through my frustrations with him. Now that three of my four children have graduated from high school, I find I have more time for myself. I enjoy gardening. I find God's pleasure when I give flowers to my neighbor or when I give extra produce to the local food bank. Now, with Larry working in Dallas the last 16 months, I find more unexpected changes in our life. Being thankful for Larry's full-time employment and keeping a good attitude while seeking his will is part of my act of worship. The last several years, I have worked one to two hours a day as the coffee lady. I restock the break rooms at the One Oak Building downtown. I am well aware that I am below any bottom rung of any corporate ladder. <laughs> but I smile and say good morning the same way to the president of the company as I do the cleaning ladies. I make it a game to see how many faces I can change from when they come in to when they go out of the break room. I believe all aspects of one's life can be part of a spiritual act of worship. My definition of worship would include when you do something for no benefit of your own, knowing that it would please Father God. You never know when a smile will touch someone. How you correct the grocery clerk who's overcharged you for something. How you look at your waitress in the eye. 
remembering her name and saying thank you matters. Stopping your busy life to chat with an elderly neighbor is glorifying God. Letting someone go ahead of you in line who's obviously having a bad day is worshiping Christ. It's the how you choose to go about your everyday life that defines your character and as a result influences your children's as well. The Lord gives each of us opportunities to be living sacrifices. For our family, one was adopting an elderly lady that we called our Aunt Margie. For 16 years, our children grew up with us making weekly visits to the grocery store and doctor visits, mowing her grass, letting her in our everyday life with birthdays, dinners, holidays, and such. Another of our family acts of worship was when um, we we grew for two years when we invited three girls to live with us while their mother got her feet back under her. Having seven children in a three-bedroom home, going to endless court hearings, counseling sessions, more training, family visits, and monthly inspections was part of our family's act of worship. And now, as both of our parents have moved from out of state to Tulsa, it is our honor to be there for them. I have my dream job. I don't believe I'm ever going to regret spending home with my children and raising the next generation. The hard thing about being a mother is that it's 24-7. You don't schedule an ear infection, a broken leg, or midnight throat sessions. Any mom here has had these moments and understands how draining motherhood can be. But I think the difference is a full-time homemaker has many more of those everyday moments that only she, the Lord, and perhaps her children see. It's how she chooses to spend those extra everyday minutes that can define her workplace, her home, and add up in her spiritual act of worship. I think our number one job is to glorify God in the way that we live. And our loudest and most effective witness is not necessarily what we say, but how we live. I'd like to preface my comments by saying a couple months ago when Gordon was up here speaking, he said he felt in a way that this uh, church, the body here, had really been his salvation, part of him working out his salvation. And we'll have the opportunity to speak to everybody. I would like to say the same, that um, this is the only church that I've ever known. And I, uh, I just want to thank the body here and uh, those of you that have individually um, been a part of my life and and loved me and given to me. Um, my name is Jason Feathers. I'm a fourth grade teacher at uh, Kendall Whittier Kendall Whittier Elementary. Um, after Bill called me, and I began to think about this. Um, drew a blank for a long time, and then um, shortly after, I gave my life to the Lord. Excuse me. Um, I began to spend 
lots of time with Carly's. And uh, he uh, suggested that I read a uh, devotional, and the uh, underlying theme of this devotional is God is always at work around us all the time. And uh, we need to put ourselves in a place to be able to see that. And uh, so I begin to think about that. And uh, before I move on with uh, how I feel that I've God's used me um, in the workplace, um, I want to kind of give a brief narrative uh, like Mark did because I don't know that I ever had an uh, inclination to be a teacher. I was... Uh, kicked out of the school in the ninth grade and I uh, I never returned and um, went on to work in construction and stuff and in my 20s I guess I was 19 or 20 before I uh, received salvation uh, uh, something stirred in me to go and get my GED at the time I don't even know why uh, looking back, you know, you see God at work in your life. Um, but uh, so I, I, I received my GED, didn't do anything with it. Ten years later, uh, I started uh, uh, going to TCC when I was 30. And I'd worked construction all that time and just felt that it's, you know, uh, it's not what I wanted to do for the rest of my life. So when I started attending TCC, um, being a, an educator wasn't even in my periphery. You know, it's not something that I'd thought of. And uh, I started with a business degree, and as I moved along, um, I started substitute teaching because it is a, a really flexible thing to do, and if you're breathing, they will allow you to do it. <laughs> and uh, so um, started receiving experience doing that, and I enjoyed it. I've always enjoyed working with kids. Uh, I worked with BASIC here for a time and enjoyed that time and uh, just always uh, I've always uh, had a heart for um, underprivileged kids and so uh, um, but uh that led to my getting a job at uh, Newcomer, which was a school for uh, English language learners. It was you know, probably 99% Hispanic, and uh, we had a Vietnamese kid there that when he left, he spoke more Spanish than he did English. So uh, anyway, it was, it was uh, quite humorous to see this little Vietnamese kid conversing in Spanish with his peers. But... Uh, um, at that point in time, I, had, I hadn't even started uh, work on my major yet. Uh, throughout working there, I just really felt uh, that uh, this is, you know, that I was on the right path, so I changed my, cor uh, I changed my major to education and uh, got my degree from NSU. Uh, halfway through uh, my last year there at Newcomer, our uh, principal, Tucky Rogers, she passed away. And a uh, individual that used to work at Kendall Whittier um, came over to finish as principal um, for the rest of the year. And uh, 
at the end of that year, he left, and uh, I went with him. To, he started a new school, and um, I did my final internship uh, my, my last year there at NSU. Uh, you have to do a final internship, whereas you spend most of the semester in a school. I spent it over here at Kendall Whittier. My whole goal, uh, the plan was for me to go back and teach for Howard because I enjoyed him and his uh, managerial style, and that's important in education to get, in, get along with the administrator. And, um, but anyway, I, my time at Kendall Whittier, uh, I just fell in love with the place, and it turns out that... Uh, Howard didn't have the job that he thought I was going to have, and so Judy offered me a job in uh, uh, circumstances. You know, they had a fourth-grade teacher retiring, and so I just came in in December and uh, finished out the rest of the year anyway. So uh, God's, <clears throat> God's brought me to this point in my life. Um, you know, a lot of times without much help from me. Um, the way that I see um, God using me in my workplace is building <clears throat> strong relationships with my students. I am. Um, excuse me. I make it a point of emphasis to uh, develop strong relationships with my students, um, to let them know that I care about them, let, to let them know that I'm interested in um, their lives, both at school and at home. Uh, I'm in a you know, unique position to affect and have an impact on a lot of kids as I see you know, 25 to you know, 27 students each year. And um, one of the things that I do is uh, obviously, you know, being a public school teacher, uh, I have to operate under certain uh, guidelines. And uh, one of the things that I do is in the morning after we, <clears throat> we say the Pledge of Allegiance, I have a moment of silence where they're free to do what they will, but, you know, I, I pray for them. And... Uh, you know, they know this because, of course, kids being inquisitive, they ask me, well, what are you doing? You know, well, what are you doing during that time? Said, well, I'm, I'm praying for you. And um, that helps to let them know, you know, that, that I'm a Christian, and, uh, but also, to, you know, that I care about them. And uh, those relationships throughout the year, <clears throat> you know, I tell my kids that we'll spend more time around each other during the school year than we will around anybody else. I'll be around you more than I'm around my own family. And so it's important, you know, that we, uh, that we have a relationship. And uh, in that relationship, I just try to, I try to give them grace when they've messed up. Um, I try to, uh, you know, just be a point of light to them. Uh, it's difficult, you know, um, being a male and uh, capable, I guess, uh, a lot of times I get some of the more interesting uh, characters there in school. And uh, it's, uh, but as I'm dealing with these um, young kids and, 
you know, I'm kind of at the point of, you know, beating my head up against the wall. What am I going to do? Really kind of sometimes becoming angry. Um, God reminds me of the grace that he's shown me. And uh, I don't know where I'd be without it. So, um, I also wanted to just real quickly, um, when Bill brought this up, I started to think about myself a lot, introspective, what have I done? But then God kind of gave me a broader focus and I began to think about what this church is doing at Kendall Whittier. And when I walk down the hall, uh, throughout the week and I see kids, hopes, tutors there, ministering the love and uh, grace and even practical helping kids to read better. Uh, I wasn't involved with Good News Club at all last year. I was pre- a little bit the year before, but I would uh, walk into the gym at times on a Friday afternoon this past year because some of my kids from my classroom were there and uh, you know, when I walked in, um, I just really felt the sense that God is pleased. You know, that God is pleased. That uh, Jesus didn't sit in a sterile environment and wait for people to come to him, but he went out to seek and save the lost. And I'm really proud uh, to be a part of a body uh, who's involved in doing that. Thank you. Boy, I just hope all of you were as blessed as I was to hear those stories, to hear those testimonies. Isn't that good? You know, when we, 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 we really do uh, think through and pray through these Fifth Sunday themes, and then what generally happens is we'll come up with some ideas on individuals to be involved, and then Jim and I will take the ball and run with it. The elders charge us with that task, and so we continue to discuss on... I don't think we could have done better than we did today, Jim. I think we did a good job. Way to go, brother. And I want to thank each of you. I want to thank Barb and Mark and Marin and Carlos and Kendra and Jason. Uh, It's very clear to me that uh, the six of you, and I'm sure many of the rest of you, we could hear from many others, I'm sure, and hear uh, just as good a story, just as good a testimony of how God is using you in your workplace, how you're finding your satisfaction in him, how you're glorifying the king of kings in your workplace. And so we're grateful for that. But it's very clear to me that uh, so many in this church really get it, that there is no sacred, secular disconnect. You know, we, when we walk in the light of Christ, we walk in that light wherever we are in our workplace, in our homes, in our neighborhoods, not just here on Sunday morning. And that just really blesses me to see. So way to go, TCF. Let's stand together. I want to remind you that before we close, uh, we have a basket up here for a benevolence offering.